0: This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner and in Momenta Partners, and welcome to our digital leadership series. In this series of conversations, we're highlighting some of the best and brightest minds and practitioners in the business as we focus on their journeys into digital transformation, what they learned, what their successes were, what the challenges were, along with lessons that are relevant for you today. We hope you enjoy Our explorations and get value from it. And always, we look for your feedback and suggestions. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Momenta Podcasts. And Today, uh, this is Ed McGuire handing over the role of Insights Partner to Leif Erickson, who has a uh, long career as uh, as an analyst, as a as as a writer, as a thinker. And it's a pleasure to have you on board, Leif. Thank you, Ed. It's my pleasure. So, I'd love to start with a bit of background, and uh, you know, have you share a bit of your uh, the experiences in your career? Could you uh, tell us a bit about you know where you started, and uh, you know what had gotten you interested in uh, digital technologies? Yeah, absolutely,
1: love to do so. So, I, I started uh, over thirty years ago as a young engineer. Um, you know, de- deploying and configuring instrumentation, automation, and advanced process control systems uh, in the petrochemical industry. Um, so you know, we, we sometimes think with all the hype around the industrial Internet of Things and and uh, AI, et cetera, that uh, the use of digital technology in the industrial sphere is relatively new. And it, nothing could be further from the truth. We were doing some very interesting things back then. Uh, Obviously, there was also some significant constraints. Uh, one of which was we had, you know, a lot of disconnected systems. So, uh, to give you an example of that, um, we uh, we would collect all our data from the sensors that we had. They were all wired up to a to a control system, and 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 then that that data was imported to, um, you know, another computer. In in our case, it was a DEC PDP-11 mini computer and this was the dawn of of pcs and 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 applications on pcs and and uh, so we got to do some interesting things but there were also again some significant challenges one of which was okay how do you get the data from that mini computer to the pc when you didn't really have a network to do that and so what what we had to do what i had to do back then was print out reams and reams of of, of paper on a dot matrix printer from the pdp 11 of data and then manually re-enter that that data into the, the PC into uh, a, a uh, what was at the time a novel program called Lotus One Two Three, that was uh, sort of the dawn, if you will, of the uh, the, the ubiquitous spreadsheet era, uh, and uh, and then uh, and then you know look to do something with it. At that point, the uh, this is when I. Uh, Learned my first and, and maybe hardest lesson on, on data backup. I spent a whole morning literally entering, uh, manually typing in data into the PC, and the PC crashed. And I hadn't backed up on uh, what was at the time the five and a quarter floppy disk. That was, you know, it was from the 20 megabyte hard drive to the five and a quarter floppy disk. And, and so I had to start over again. But what got me excited, that was really, you know, what was really exciting about all that, though, is once you got that data into the spreadsheet, um, you could do interesting things with that. You could look at trends. You could compare, you know, process data with events. You could even you do some fairly sophisticated statistical analysis. And so the kind of insights we got into what was going on in the plant um, and some of the, the 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 issues we had or how we could optimize or improve the performance of the plant um, was you know it was very very interesting and very exciting and so that's that's what got me hooked and, and and you know to this day that's that's what I'm passionate about is how do we use digital technology to to truly optimize our our industrial operations
0: so you spent a lot of time with your sleeves rolled up really understanding how the technology work from the ground up and, and you leverage that into, uh, into, into, into analysis. And I would love to get your perspective on, uh, the transition in, in, in your own experiences. You went from, uh, really being up, you know, operationally uh you know in the weeds to taking a, a much uh, i would say broader view of of the industry and 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 technology and and tell, tell us about that transition and some of the some of your experience there yeah
1: absolutely um yeah so you know 15 years into into my career as an engineer um in the oil and gas industry, which I, had, you know, dragged my 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 young family around the globe, we lived in Canada and Texas, the U.S. Virgin Islands, and and eventually Indonesia. Um, and an opportunity came up in 1998 to to sort of settle down, if you will, um, and do something different and join a small analyst firm called AMR Research, or uh, prior to that, Advanced Manufacturing Research. And what got me excited about that is that, you know, in that role, I could look at the broad brush of, uh, the broad scope, if you will, of the use of technology, uh, not just in oil and gas, but across a lot of different industries. Um, and, uh, and 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 get a better understanding of what was state of the art at the time and what was coming. And so that, that was very exciting. And so making that transition, um, was uh, was both challenging but but interesting and 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 so you know it was really the beginning, if you will, of you know the next twenty plus years where I've really dedicated my life to to helping companies uh, make sense of technology trends and how they impact their business. you know what 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 is it that really matters? There's a lot of hype out there uh, in terms of the various different technologies today, of course, a lot of it's around AI, machine learning, blockchain, but really how relevant is that to my industry? That's what what business leaders care about and that's what, what really I've dedicated my career to.
0: What are some of the most uh, I would say impactful you know, shifts in technology or even in thinking in you know uh, over the last couple of decades as you look at how I mean you started working in in you know, truly industrial technology environments, but as you've seen this sort of parallel evolution of information technology, you know, are there, are there some key trends or developments, you know, over the years that, that you can point to that have, that have provided real, that have created real inflection points for changes in thinking or, you know, really innovative, uh, you know, applications of technology?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. In some ways, a lot hasn't changed. And you know, if you think about what are engineers doing today in, in plants around the world, well, a lot of them are taking data out of various different sensor uh, systems, you know, that come in from sensors, et cetera, and, and analyze it. And not unusual for them to still use a spreadsheet, but they also have more sophisticated tools available to them. But um really what I see as a major change, and I started to think about this back around 2001 and 2002 when I was, was still at AMR Research. And uh, that was that with the internet, um, there were all sorts of possibilities that were opened up in terms of what you could do with the data, how you could share the data, how you could collaborate on the data, how, how you could analyze the data, and ultimately how you could make decisions based on that data. Because ultimately the goal for any company is to make better decisions about how they operate and maintain their, their assets or their equipment. Any industrial company, in any case. And, uh, and, and everybody wants to get to this nirvana, if you will, of, of the perfectly predictable operation, where they have enough data and they've got sophisticated enough analysis that they can say that, uh, you know, this is what's going to happen. This is what's happening now with, with a high degree of certainty, and this is what's going to happen tomorrow, a week later, two weeks later, et cetera. So we're, we're getting close to that. But I started to think about it in 2001 and 2002, and, and, and the basic tools were being put in place back then. Um, but what I didn't realize, uh, and maybe that at hardest because I'm a bit impatient with these things, is that... Um, is that it was going to take longer than I thought, uh, and part of that, of course, was, you know, if we look back, there were two recessions in that area. We had that sort of the dot-com bust and, and recession that followed that, and then of course the great financial crisis of of two thousand nine. Um, there's also the issue of, you know, some of the changes that this technology will ultimately create in in the the business world in the industrial world. Are, are quite disruptive. So, you know, people in, inevitably dig their heels in when, when something like that comes at them. And, and, and I guess the final thing is that, you know, probably the cost benefit equation back then wasn't quite there. And, and that, that's certainly changed over the last 15 plus years.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I think you articulated a couple of of, you know key points here. One is that this these principles about uh, taking data from systems to uh, optimize uh, operations, reduce risk, and, and grow sales, you know, are really you know, very much the same as they were 30 years ago. I guess in the kind of the dawn of the data warehousing age, but the technology, of course, is has, has improved and the tools are are uh, have, have evolved and are more powerful. But uh, you know, as you look at where we are today, I mean, what are you know what are some of the things that get you really excited about the you know the state of the market today and 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 where we might be going? Sure. Yeah. No, that's a great question. And and really it it comes down to
1: the the maturation of the cloud and cloud the tools available in the cloud and a lot of that goes to credit goes to the the big you know consumer cloud companies whether that's Amazon Facebook Google or to a certain extent Microsoft uh you know they they sort of straddle both the enterprise and the consumer world but they're you know massive investments in their their azure infrastructure is is also been a major factor. You know, if I think about, if I go way back when um, to when I first started, it wasn't that unusual that you had more sophisticated technology at the office than you had at home. You know, again, it was the dawn of the PC. We started to buy PCs for our house, but they were relatively expensive uh, and they weren't that sophisticated. Um, And so it was, the, the odds are you had more sophisticated technology at work. Well, that has Completely been flipped on its head, and and largely as a result of the investments made by these these large uh, technology giants. Um, if you think about what we can do today uh, with just a a, a mobile device, or an iPhone or, or similar, uh, in terms of of uh, you know controlling our our home even from remotely um, uh, purchasing basically anything anytime anywhere. Um, this this kind of capability, in some ways, is not quite there in a lot of enterprises. Um, the, there's, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that um, companies store still store their data in local functional silos. You know, it might even be as so as local as a is as a is as is a, a single plant. But even if it if it's sort of um, captured up at an enterprise level, it's they're in functional silos, and, and the systems are hopelessly incompatible. So, what gets me excited is the ability to take that data and put it in the cloud, and do all sorts of things that you can't do. But most importantly, the ability to share that data in real time with a broader ecosystem, with your partners uh, across your own organization. Uh, when I was um, at Gartner recently, so I spent six years at Gartner from 2010 to 2016. Whenever I would have a call with with one of our customers, our end user customers, I w- would you know joke with them that information moves faster outside of your organization than inside. So, you know, you could be uh, you could have something happen at one of your plants on the other side of the world, and the way you hear about it is over the internet, not from your own people or your own systems. And so the value of putting that in the cloud um, to to both internally share it. I'll, I'll, I'll relate another uh, anecdote. I spoke with a, a a large global chemical company, and and they started probably as long ago as six or seven years um, to use one of these cloud-based services because they had a hundred plants around the world but it was the best and most efficient way for them to share best practices and information so that's going to have a huge impact on on uh, you know how decisions are made the quality of decisions and the performance of these these facilities could you
0: talk about who? Uh, you know, what are some of the characteristics of of companies from an organizational perspective that are uh, that are successfully adopting you know a a cloud model? Right, because I think what you have uh, you know, the you, you alluded or what you've referenced in this you know again where you move uh data out of silos into a cloud model also in uh has a lot of dem- governance dimensions and uh and 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 changes to process and uh, the ability to relinquish control in in many respects right of of uh people within an organization that have done things a certain way, you know, what, what are some of the, uh, say characteristics of a, of a, of a a legacy company that's, that's been able to make a successful transition. And on the flip side, you know, what are some of the obstacles that you see to, uh, you know, to being able to, uh, you know, completely embrace this, this newer paradigm? Well, you hit the nail on the head when you said, uh,
1: loss of control, um, because when you start to Talk about things about in terms of putting data in the cloud and sharing that data more widely. Um, there is a, a bit of loss of control because information is control and power in an organization, and and a lot of the 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 structure of the modern organization, the hierarchical structure, the functional silos, etc., are built around information silos and information control. But I want to be careful with the word control as well because. In the industrial world, unlike a lot of other industries, control also means control of equipment, um, and and that's something that people aren't prepared to, and probably shouldn't be considering, depending on the 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 complexity and the risks associated. But putting that in the cloud, so most companies are not going to go that direction, um, simply because, uh, or at least. Not in not into the public cloud, and there's 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 variations on that, but simply because if you operate uh, a plant or a facility where there can be a major safety incident or there could be a major environmental incident, uh, you you know there's a lot of liability. There's a lot of obviously human risk and human consequences uh, in doing that. So there's control and there's control. There's control over the information. Which companies should be, uh, the, the, you know, best-in-class companies are willing to give up, um, as, as some, uh, you know, some of the companies that are providing services in this area uh, are starting to talk about. They're talking about the liberation of data. We, we uh, you know, you interviewed uh, Francois Labarre of uh, of Cognite not that long ago, and that's the, that's their motto: is liberate your data, put it in the put it in the cloud. And so, being able to give up that control and to recognize that when you you share that information more broadly, you're likely to 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 get a better result in terms of decisions, and decisions will be made much more quickly. One one example I'll I'll give you is that we're all familiar with the the Deepwater Horizon um, catastrophe, uh, and, and that was a catastrophe on so many different levels in terms of the loss of life and the environmental consequences. Obviously, there was a huge financial co- consequence to the companies involved. Um, and And you know there, there's there's a tendency to view it as an act of negligence. and And, and in reality, um, this is an industry that probably spends as much money and and effort on safety or more money and effort on safety than any other industry, maybe with the exception of the space industry. And the, the problem is, of course, these are very complex operations and there's a lot of things that happen. And they still rely on local expertise. So let's imagine a scenario where all of the data, uh, all of the decisions being made uh, related to the drilling of that well were share, shared widely across BP, across their, their partners, et cetera. And, and, and everybody was able to look at it. Not only that, at some point, you know, being able to subject that data to some very sophisticated machine learning, where it might say, "Well, if this decision was made, and yet the pressure was this," it, it, in you know in the hole or the or the pressure reading doesn't seem to be right. Uh, we you know we need to go in a different direction. So, the ability to to and the willingness to share that data, I think, is 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 really what distinguishes. Uh, best in class companies and there 's very few of them today i mean it 's just such a hard thing to do to give up that control and there there in some cases there are legal uh
0: and regulatory
1: um constraints to doing
0: so yeah i think you uh you know are are Touching on again another really important uh, theme in digital transformation is where the decisions lie, and what are some of the key decisions that that uh, need to need to be made uh, to you know to really affect it. Uh, what we'll call a digital transformation, which is this this move to this this broader model of. Uh, agility and sharing. So, where do you see some of the key decisions being made? You know, for industrial companies, is it a is it a, is it a chief digital officer?
1: Well, where there is one, uh, not everybody has one today. So that's that's kind of an emerging role, if you will. Um, but where there is one, it may be there. It might be the the vice president of of refining, the vice president of manufacturing. Ultimately, though, it has to. Um, It it has to come from the CEO. The the direction and the vision has to come from the top simply because the transformative um, impacts are so huge. I mean, if you think about, you know, if you start to put data in the cloud and you start to expose it to a broader audience, then that changes, completely changes how decisions are made and who makes them. That then completely changes what your organizational structure looks like, what sort of resources you need on the ground. If that data is going you know is at the very least being made to if if everybody at HQ, for example, has complete visibility to all the data and all those facilities uh, around the world and they've got some some capability, whether it's visualization tools or or analytical tools, to put some context around them, help them make decisions. What what are the implications for the the, the engineers and others uh, supervisors on the ground who have typically made those decisions? You know, there's there's probably a role for for some of that expertise at HQ now, but less of a role at, at a local level. And and so you know, if again, if you think about the the traditional organizational structure, it's all built around okay, let's flow information and advice up the organization multiple levels, and we all know how long that sometimes takes. And, and and how how often context is lost along the way. And then the decision will come back down from the top what we should do. And so when you take that model and you say, okay, let's blow that up. Let's just make the the data available instantaneously to everybody. What does that mean for the organization? And, And most organizations are not well positioned to... To, to deal with that transition or not ready to deal with that transition, and that's why it has to come from the top because the the, the threats across the organization to different um, different functional groups and 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 different leadership structures
0: is 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 fundamental and and uh, and very disruptive well when you start to automate processes uh, one of the challenges for you know for anybody in, in a you know in, in a decision making role is the risk that with the adoption of you know automated systems predicted systems that takes your power away from you and takes you know a when you're when you have to exceed the control of you know a de, a decision to a, to a machine or an algorithm and uh, you know it's obvious that there would there would be some sort of resistance to that and I would love to get your thoughts on you know how how organizations uh should anticipate meeting with that resistance how to how to articulate a you know a successful vision and, and ultimately you know how to you know how do you get past resistance and, and really get buy-in across across the organization you know when when you realize that there are going to be changes in roles and 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 just the the way that jobs themselves may become refactored and Ed, that's
1: that is the biggest challenge, and probably the reason that in the industrial sector specifically um, the change hasn't come about at the same pace as it has in other sectors such as retail and, and financial services um, retail in particular as we know um, you know amazon and 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 some others but primarily amazon is is has, has had a huge disruptive force one that the 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 Sort of um, incumbents have had to to react to, if you will, uh, and 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 fight back, and and so they didn't have a choice. Well, you don't have that same dynamic in the industrial uh, sectors because there's a lot of um, uh, you know sort of uh, sunk costs, if you will, into to plants and equipment, and, and and these plants and equipment can be very complex and expensive to to build and and to operate and maintain. So it's not like it's it's simple enough for, uh, you know, a newcomer to come in and say, well, I'm going to build, you know, the next great oil and gas company or the next great, you know, automotive company. You know, uh, putting Tesla aside, you know, they still have to build the plant, so to speak. So that that's a different kind of disruption, if you will, uh, maybe less digital than than the energy base, um, but you know, the bottom line is for the industrial world, change has been slower because it's been easier to uh, sustain the status quo. and in some cases, it's been also driven by um, the the regulatory constraints and requirements. So there's been lots of different ways in which companies have been able to um, you know sort of maintain the status quo, dig in their heels, if you will. But it's coming. and we see we see a number of different initiatives out there where um, visionaries, you know, from industry are out there raising funds, pools of money to create the next great, you know, sort of oil and gas exploration company. One that's based strictly on data and analytics and and has a a fraction of the the number of people involved in the decision-making process. Same thing on the manufacturing side. So it's going to come. It's just going to take a while to come. And the, the other thing I would say is that, you know, when regulatory authorities um, start to recognize that industrial companies can invest in technology to reduce the number of incidents that might occur, improve the performance and predictability of the operation if the companies themselves don't um, embrace it that it might get mandated All right so so we don't have uh, you know industrial accidents where people are, are maimed or killed—we don't have uh, environmental catastrophes like the Deepwater Horizon.
0: Yeah, it, it sounds though that there's enough of a uh, organizational or cultural inertia uh, dynamic that you need some some kind of push or or you know some catalyst to you know to really drive an inflection of you know real disruption in, in in the industrial world i'd love to get your view on on what what could be these these catalysts what could tip the scales or be the you know be be the be the proverbial uh, you know straw on the camel's back that really drives an accelerate you know an accelerated adoption and in, in uh, transformation in the industrial world
1: yeah, no, it comes down to Ed, the the uh, getting data going into the cloud and and what that allows companies to do. So the companies that are that are embrace that that that, you know again, to use the cognite term, liberate their data and and put it in the cloud and, and start to collaborate around it not just internally but with with a number of their uh, business partners, their suppliers, et cetera. So imagine if you think about um, you know most, manufacturing industrial operations are an amalgam of a variety of different parts pieces of complex equipment that are that are engineered to work together Um, those pieces of equipment are not manufactured by the operator themselves but by a third party well who do we think has the, the most expertise in fact Typically, if there's really a problem with a piece of complex equipment, the, the operator gets on the phone and calls the manufacturer and says, can you send one of your guys down as soon as possible? Well, imagine if that person could access that data or was actually monitoring that data in real time for their customer um, and, and not waiting for that call, but preemptively you know, sending them a message and saying, you're going to have a problem with this piece of equipment. In the next week or two, um, if you don't do this or that, and so that completely changes the paradigm in the business model. And now you start to say, well, okay, what does the operator or owner, if you will, of the 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 assets of the equipment um, do going forward? Well, they'll outsource more of those kinds of functions, and they'll outsource it to people that have um, truly have the most expertise um, in terms of of both monitoring and uh, and maintaining the equipment. So. So that model, again, once that data gets out there, that's what's going to create. And so there's two scenarios here, and it's going to vary by subsector industry. One scenario is um, visionary companies with visionary leadership will start to do that and and make those radical shifts or changes in their own organization and how they run their business. And uh, they will force others to follow suite because they will be – again radically more efficient radically more reliable uh more predictable and that that again is the ultimate goal the other scenario is is you'll have some outsiders come in and that, again in some industries that's the way it's going to happen uh if if um you know outsiders can raise the capital to to uh to to build the next generation of of company in that particular submarket again oil and gas exploration comes to mind because there are they're, you know, familiar with a number of initiatives out there where they're they're looking to build again from the ground up something that's radically different than than what was done
0: before. One of the big challenges uh, of adoption of digital technologies, you know, really across industries, has been security, and uh, you know. I st- you know, still see us popping up in uh, in surveys as as really a top obstacle to adoption, and would love to get your sense. I mean, we're uh, you know we're about a decade out from the the first wave of uh, operational technology attacks. Uh, I think Stuxnet was two thousand nine or two thousand ten, and uh, you know what. From your perspective, you know, what are some of the key developments uh, relative to, you know, security and, you know, operational technology and, uh, you know, any, any other developments that you, you think are constructive for, you know, for, for some of these these later adopters to, to feel more comfortable about, uh, you know, jumping in headfirst into, into digital business?
1: Very, very, very uh, important issue and top of mind for a lot of executives in the industrial space. Um, and what, you know, what the t- Stuxnet incident taught us is that, you know, in the OT world particularly, that you have to um, combine Physical physical security with cybersecurity. So you know there's you know there's there's still the option in if you don't have good physical security of walking in with with a USB stick in your pocket and and, and creating the disruption that way or the the damage that way. Um, so that's that's certainly one of the things that that distinguishes it. The other thing that is sometimes lost in the noise around cybersecurity is that you know in the IT world you know the the primary goal is protection of information uh protection of information about people about things uh privacy that type of thing in the ot world the mo- primary thing is protection of of equipment and the control and operation of equipment so the re- re- rely another way to look at it is the reliability side of of the machine so you know when you think about sort of security in the ot world you you have to put that first and foremost it's it's less about what information you pump out into the cloud and share and more about how likely is it that someone can come back in through that tunnel or another tunnel into your control systems and change something which causes uh the plant to shut down a major uh, operational disaster etc so um there is a uh, it's a it's a very interesting area. In fact, you know, as you know, the next podcast we have coming up is is an interview of Heather Engel, the managing partner at Cyber uh, Strategy uh, Partners, and um, you know, we'll we'll hear some some of her perspective on this. But uh, you know, it's it's still an evolving area, top of mind for all executives in in the industrial space. And going back to the point I made earlier, that's why we're we're for most industrial operations, it's, it's not appropriate to put the actual control of equipment in the cloud. Data, yes. Control, no. Uh,
0: at the recent IoT Solutions World show in Barcelona, uh, there was an interesting trend. A lot of the traditional uh, industrial players like Schneider Electric and and ABB uh, were not there, but in but there's a, a growing presence from traditional IT vendors like like Microsoft and uh, and and Google and others. Uh, what what do you think is, is going on? Is this is there a is there a shift in the industry here in terms of uh, you know power or even or or is it or maybe just this this the state of trade shows? Yeah, well, that's that.
1: It could be either of those, and that that's that that's the possibility as well. I mean, it's 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 hard to read so much in there because there's so many, yeah, too much into it because there's so so many, um, you know, so many different demands on on resources from a marketing uh, perspective at these organizations. That said, this is a significant event, and the fact that the that it's the first year that they really weren't there. Um, at all is I think it is significant, um, and, and and maybe just as significant is that the big you know IT players were there, and and certainly they are they're reaching further into the uh, the the enterprise, if you will, and reaching further into the OT world with some of the technologies there's offer they're offering. And of course, Microsoft has always had a, a, a substantial presence in the OT world. A lot of the the systems that the big OT vendors sell is is based at its its heart in on Microsoft technologies and and, and OSs uh, or variants of them. Um, but it, yeah, I think it is. It it is significant, and uh, it it also may reflect the fact that you know one of the things that 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 I've been noticing for for a number of years now. Let's say for the next five or six years, is that a lot of the technology spend in large enterprise and particularly in the industrial world is shifting from the IT side of the house to the OT side of the house. and and, and why is that happening predominantly because IT has already you know spent the money if you will. They have the ERP systems are in place, financial systems are in place, uh, inventory etc. um what's there left to do except possibly Move those systems into the cloud and, and you know make it more efficient to to operate the systems. In other words, to cut the costs of running these I.T. systems. So ultimately what, where the investment is going to go in these organizations is into the O.T. side of the house, because you know a, a lot of organizations still have fragmented systems, different systems in different plants, and no, you know, as I talked about earlier, hopelessly incompatible. Um, you know, you've got a a maintenance management system that's not communicating with your data historian. Uh, Someone's got to bring all that data together. So that those are the the game changers that's going to happen in the cloud. Um, And uh, again, that will be the the transformative trigger,
0: if you will, for the industrial world. Do you see a shift in you know, traditional operational technologies, for instance, uh, you know, plant floor data management, will there be, do you anticipate new types of technologies or uh, new approaches evolving that will be, uh, you know, that will be information technology, but specifically tailored to to heavy industry?
1: Uh, Yes. So the primary shift there is if you think about, go back to the beginning of our discussion, when I talked about starting my career and that you know was able to you know take all this uh, operational data, put it in a spreadsheet, and analyze it. That was a very local process. Uh, interestingly enough, a lot of that that that's still true in a lot of different uh, organizations around the world. You know, it's still done locally by a local engineer uh, making that decision. And the other part of it that that hasn't changed dramatically is that they're still predominantly looking at. Process data, and they're and they're not overlaying that on top of maintenance history, or or maybe some new types of data, such as audio data or, or visual video data. Um, you know, audio data, for example, of of you know the a noise that a machine is making. So, and, and of course, in, in anything where weather is a factor, you know, bringing weather, and so the ability to take all of that data, again, put it in the cloud where it's much more efficient to manage share. Uh, collaborate around, analyze, et cetera, and put it together in a, in a way that delivers context uh, and then maybe ultimately providing, uh, you know, overlaying some machine learning or artificial intelligence, that's going to change everything. It doesn't mean you're not going to still be collecting the data the way you do today. You may or may not, depending on whether, you know, whether there's a there's a need for more data than you already have. Um, but it means that how you look at the data, how you analyze it, and where you do that is going to change dramatically, and that's going to have an impact on, on the OT vendors that that we we're talking about earlier. Is is you know is is that are they going to be providing that capability, or is it going to be one of the big IT vendors such as Microsoft or AW, Amazon with AWS, or is it going to be some startups? And there's 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 actually um, a very very large gold rush going on right now where. Uh, billions of dollars are being thrown at startups and, and invested by incumbents in this particular, uh, chasing this opportunity, if you will.
0: So, if we look uh, look forward, I mean, there's a lot of there are a lot of moving cross currents in in IT, operational technology, and and industry, of course. And as you look yeah as you look forward a, a few years, what? What gets you excited, and uh, you know, what, are, what are some things that keep you up at night?
1: Yeah, what gets me excited, and maybe it's the same thing that keeps me up at night, um, is the, the possibility that we can, we can achieve this, this, this uh, holy grail, if you will, of a perfectly visible, perfectly predictable operation in the industrial world. Right, we're not we're not that far away from that. Um, the The technology, in many ways, is there. the The bigger challenges is the the biggest challenge, quite frankly, is not um, analyzing, you know, uh, applying some sort of sophisticated analytics to the data. It's it's collecting the data and and contextualizing the data and then sharing the data. and And for most organizations today, that's Impossible, if not ridiculously expensive to do internally, so the only option again is is to uh, the only viable option and and the inevitable option is to move it into the cloud, and that's what gets me excited because the the capabilities that exist in the cloud today, the ability to do that the the cost you know barriers to doing that have have dropped significantly that we can envision this 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 world where you know, unplanned incidents don't happen. People don't get hurt in industrial operations, partly because they're not even out there anymore, but also because we know what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. And so we're closer than ever to that that nirvana. And the sooner we get there, the better. Um, the uh, One of the most famous uh, organizational consultants of the modern era, Warren Bennis, said back in 1991 that the— the factory of the future will, will be reduced to two living things, a, a man and a dog. The man will exist to to feed the dog and the dog will be there to make sure the man doesn't talk to any of the equipment. And 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 that that you know what he was basically saying back then is that the autonomous factory, the autonomous uh industrial operation uh, will come. And he he's he visualized that back in, in ninety-one and we're I think finally on the cusp of that.
0: No, that's uh it's, it is really exciting. And I, I am, uh, you know, we see the changes in every in- industry and, companies of all sizes as well. So it's uh, you know, this has been a fascinating com- conversation and um, I just wanted to, to wrap up with some, some, some thoughts as you, you know, assume the role of uh, Insights partner at Momenta, um, you know, what, what are some of the key themes and, and uh, areas of, of, of focus that, that you wanna be highlighting and, and areas of, of particular interest to, to, to you as well?
1: Yeah, no, I'm. I'm. I, I. I couldn't be more excited about joining Momentum because it is going to give me the opportunity, and us the opportunity, to be at the forefront of of this transformation we were just talking about. Um, to be able to, you know, it, this this is a, a scary, challenging, difficult time for a lot of uh, leaders in the industrial world, uh, and so navigating the the. The journey from where they are today to this this brave new world um, is, is going to take a lot of vision, but it's going to also take a lot of guidance and so you know being able to to you know rely on an organization like mementa to you know provide the kind of insights that you need to make the right decisions uh, both in terms of the overall strategy but also in terms of the particular technologies you should invest in at a given point in time, how mature they are. Uh, as I mentioned, there's this, this massive gold rush going on. And uh, there's, there's no shortage of companies banging uh, or vendors, if you will, uh, startups and, and established ones banging on these the, the doors of these the, the chief digital officers and, and other leaders in the uh, in the industrial space to to sell them the next great thing. Well is it really? Do they do those companies really understand um, the uh, the chief digital officers uh, industry and even its its own company? Uh, Because even with you know, industries are very different. Even within the context of the industrial space, what they care about, what's what's important to them, uh, is different. In in a, a, a asset intensive organization like the energy industry or or mining or whatever, it's about the reliability of equipment, the ability to run that equipment seven by 24, 365 days of the year. For a food and beverage manufacturer, it's all about quality and, and compliance, right? So you want to make sure that the food, and and it's also about, in this day and age, uh, appealing to increasingly localized tastes and, and, and requirements. And so being able to do that um, requires a different set of tools and technology. It t- requires a different strategy. So we're going to be out there not just talking about digital transformation and digital industry in the industrial world in general, but also talking about what it means for ind- individual companies and subsectors. So that, that's, that, that's what gets me excited, is that we'll, we'll be leading the way in that regard and, and look forward to talking to a lot of... Um, A lot of companies a lot of chief digital officers about their their challenges and how we can help them
0: now i'm excited to uh to to see your work and uh hear more from you and i want to extend a warm welcome from the uh you know from the whole organization to to have you join so the, the again, Leif Erickson, uh welcome as as the the new Insights Partner at Momenta Partners, and and again, this has been uh, this has been Ed McGuire with uh, my final episode as a uh, hosting the Momenta Edge podcast, and it's been a it's been a wonderful run, and I've uh, had some fantastic conversations, and I I couldn't be more pleased to have you uh, taking the reins, and and. Uh, you know, sharing sharing your insights and and uh, you know helping help, help and grow the future. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Ed.
0: This is Ed McGuire Insights Partner at Momenta Partners with an episode of our digital leaders series. Please check our website at momenta.partners for archived versions of prior podcasts and webinars as well as resources to help with your digitization journey